What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 141 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I am Scott Sturman, and I'm joined by Matt Deitch. What's going on? Just uh, enjoying the fall weather. It got chilly today. It did get chilly today. That oh, wind, wind had a bite to it, and uh, yeah, it, it it's definitely fall. There's it's, yeah. You get into like into the main heart of town. And it's crazy how many leaves are on the road and oh, whatnot, and it, it's. I mowed. I mowed today, and it was they were falling all over the place, and there's a lot of them I had to pick up already. What kind of strategy do you do uh, with the leaves? Do you just mow all in the same direction, and, and the side discharge just slowly pushes them over to your neighbors? We might have to start doing that one. Our problem is, is that all the leaves in the neighborhood blow onto our yard. Really? Yep, and we have to rake that thing like three or four times. It's kind of crazy fall. what, what uh, you know, the way wind does things. Because ever since my house was here, Jeremy doesn't have as much snow on his right. driveway. And, and I don't know, something with my house, it all just kind of whips around and puts a real big drift right out in front of my... Uh, that happens at our place, My too. garage door. Look at us talking about snow. Yeah. We're just skipping I, right over the, fall and we're leaves. talking about snow. Yeah, sometimes they, the leaves... At one point, the one year, I decided just to let them all fall and do it at once. And That's I think what it, I would do. It took about a week to get them all. I mean, it was almost waist deep in our front yard. That's when you haul in a roll-off roll dumpster. <laughs> no, it got to the point where I was like, you know what? We got enough kids in town here that got a little side hustle of lawn cleanup that they. I was like, I'm hiring them. I don't care. Just hide like three $1 bills around and let <laughs> people know about it. Like, yeah, come yeah. on over. No, so... It is. I mean, it is fall. You can definitely tell. It makes the fishing a little bit tougher in the river, too, because all the leaves are falling into the river. What are you at? 114. 114. Holy yeah. moly. So uh, you're always kind of every once in a while, every other, uh, every about three or four casts, you're hooking into a leaf, and yeah, you have to reel in quick and take it off and throw it back out. I actually went down there the other night after dark. Yeah, I saw like that. Like at 1030, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to see if I can catch some walleyes, because I've actually been catching a few walleyes. You know, last episode I talked how I haven't caught a walleye yet this year, and then this week, all of a sudden, boom, I catch a couple of them. And I just kept catching bass. I caught like three or four bass, so. Huh. Bass at night. So, so the other day on Thursday, you knew you had to get your, you had to get your bass done in the morning. Right. Because you were busy all evening long. Right. I had Little our last did you know, game. you could have came back <laughs> and, and fished you at night. still had that chance. It kind of, kind of just. It's kind of nice to know that you got right. that safety net. Right. I don't know if it's because there's a couple of street lights right there that kind of illuminate the the river right okay. there. So, no, I was kind of surprised. I was like, man, I need to catch one of these. I actually was going to go down there on Saturday night and try at midnight and try to catch one for that day. And nice. Just, have, have it done the, Have it done for the next day already? Yeah, but then I fell asleep, so <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, things that most people do at midnight. Right. So, no, because Dan T, when I was fishing down there that night, he he snapped me back and said, you might as well stay down there for another hour and a half and knock off the next days too, but no. So are you thinking about tapping the brakes yet? Uh, there, Yeah, I have been. I know it's going to get tough here when the water starts getting colder. It always does. I mean, it hasn't been as fast and furious as, it, as what it was, but I don't know. My brother Mike uh, bet the other day told me if I could get to 150, he'd buy by me and my or my brother and i stakes so 
That, I mean, that's worth it. <laughs> right. So I might try to keep it going to see, but that's a long ways away. I mean. That is. You'd you'd be well into November. November. It almost, he's like, that's right around Thanksgiving time. And I was just like, Ugh. I mean, the river will probably still be open at that point, but I don't know if I will still be catching bass at that at that time. So but we'll the see. thought of a free stake off Mike. Well, I know, right. But then Brant gets one too. Yeah, I don't know why that works into the deal, but that well, was part of our that. part of our group text and I don't know if if you'd get more delight in taking a stake away from Brant or getting a free stake from Mike. Well, what it should be is that we go out, Mike takes me out for steaks and I get to eat a nice big steak while he has to have a salad. That, <laughs> there's punishment that is punishment matt matt did you watch any football this weekend you know what i did it was a great football weekend because the lions the central lion george little rock lions won on friday night the hawkeyes won on saturday and the vikings won on sunday so that's always a good weekend for me for football. the vikings won on a last second field goal the Packers didn't lose, but the Packers missed a last-second field goal. Like, right. when's the last time that that happened? No, never. <laughs> Honestly, like, like I even, mean, even the even the announcers on on TV were kind of dogging the Vikings kicker, saying, "You ad, know, admit it." When that kicker lined up to win the game for the Vikings, you full well knew in your heart you were ninety nine percent sure that I that, didn't even watch the end of it. Because you knew what was about to go down. Well, no, I went outside. I was, I had to start mowing. I wanted to mow anyways, so there was like a minute and a half left, and they had kicked the the onside kick after they kicked the field goal. The Lions, and I was just like, "Well, okay, come on, Vikings, you can't screw this up." And then I came back inside, and yeah, lo and behold, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of good football here uh, uh, for the Midwest. Like you said, uh, the Hawks, the Iowa Hawkeyes, possibly the biggest game in program history. That was awesome. Uh, you know, knock off uh, um, number four Penn State. Yeah, number four Penn State as number three. They're now number two. And, you know, I've heard a lot of yakking about, well, you know, it's only because of, uh, uh, you know, because Penn State's starting quarterback got knocked out. And I don't know. That's what happens. Yeah, you know. It's I, football. You know what? I think – I don't feel sorry for Penn State one bit on that with all that garbage they were pulling with their players mysteriously Faking getting injuries. Mysteriously getting but they did it they do that all the time. There was a guy laying that. on the ground and couldn't get up. Couldn't right. get up. And, and it sudden, was an arm deal. Right. Like, and they come, come on, out there pansy. and they're rubbing his arm and all of a sudden he jumps up and runs out. Yeah. It runs off. Every time the Hawkeyes started getting so mad and I'm not just saying I've seen them do it before to other teams too. The team starts getting momentum. On offense, also one of their defensive guy, boom, gets hurt, and it's like they're out for a play, and then they're back in. What if you did? What if you did something like if you go down two times, hurt? Oh, I just, I just loved it. I said the two best traditions in college football now are the Iowa wave and the Iowa fans booing injured players at Kinnick. <laughs> I thought about I that because like, it's like one of those guys could actually be injured. So. At that point, though, when they said at first they were like, oh, okay, you know. But the one dude, he was just like laying on his side like with his arm rested on his helmet. Like he was just chilling the one time. And it's just, just hanging like, out. It's like, what's up, my man? It, I just – it was funny when they started booing. But So I, I got one for you here, Matt. Uh, you know, talking about injuries. Uh, Jesse Takarante uh, – Bassmaster Elite Series guy, 
um, did not fish uh, this last this past season on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Took a medical hardship. You remember that? Yep. He posted today that uh, he took Angler of the Year on the Toho Marine Outdoors Elite One Man uh, Tournament Series on Kissimmee Lake on the Kissimmee Chain down in Florida this year. So he could still fish, but he, he could, could he could he could still fish his his regular local tournaments, but uh, apparently he couldn't fish. I'm sure there's something more to it. Maybe the start of the year. Like, didn't Brock Mosley have to take a medical hardship, too, or something like that? Maybe he had surgery during the offseason. And... That's what it was. I saw that. Right. Like, he had surgery. But, I mean, like, I, I've got to think that the tournament season starts pretty early down in the Kissimmee chain. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, if you got to sit out of, like, the Elite Series, you probably shouldn't be out there doing like, that. But I guess I, I, I don't get know. if you want a fun fish late in the season, but – I'm just thinking, like, mm. like I said, maybe he like knew that he was going to miss the first few tournaments, that it wasn't going to work out, and he was able to able to do it. When it comes down to injuries like that, though, nowadays you can't like like bass can't be like, oh, okay, like how serious really is it? I suppose you got to be like, all right, it is yeah. what it is. So yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'm a little bit. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm a little skeptical of it, but hey, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh you want to we, we got a little bit of a game going today you want to do that now or you want to do that after uh our interview let's do it after today let's do it after let's our do interview it after okay um yeah then we're about uh about 10 minutes in and uh we're gonna have brett blumendahl on the show today uh brett was actually um a past guest on the show uh he's originally from our town and now he's a guide uh up in north dakota um yeah, if if you if you haven't listened, uh, we're not going to do an intro this time. You know, on on getting to meet Brett and whatnot. Go back and listen to episode ninety three. But uh, we're going to talk about Brett has a new book out, and uh, we're going to talk about the fall bite up in North Dakota. So uh, let's get over to him. And we're here today with Brett Blumendahl of uh, Blumendahl Guide Service, uh, past guest on episode ninety three. It was basically one year ago, Brett, that uh, you joined the show on October fourth, twenty twenty. Yeah, thanks for doing that, by the way. That was a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to doing it here again tonight. Yeah, you right. bet. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it doesn't actually feel to me like it was that long no, ago. No, it, it I, really doesn't. But yeah, I, don't, I guess time flies when you're having fun or something <laughs> like that. So I've heard. But uh, so Somebody had to say the cliche, right? right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, so, Brett, uh, you know, I think the last time that we talked to you, you actually kind of touched on the fact that you were writing a book. Maybe that was even after we got done recording. But uh, you touched the, touched on the fact that you were writing a book, uh, said that it was going to be coming out later on. Well, it has officially uh, come out, Fishing for More, a memoir. Um, that, that That's obviously why we've got you on the show. Um, but we were thinking maybe to, to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. First off, uh, how's the fishing right now up in the garrison area? You know, it's actually pretty darn good. Like normally this time of year, we're kind of waiting for that fall bite to really get in swing and waiting for those water temps to drop. And it, it's been kind of a warm year, but we've been kind of surprisingly happy about the way the bite's been outside of that. It's almost kind of like an extended summer season in some ways. Like I don't remember September being this good as long as I've been guiding up here anyway. So 
that's been really phenomenal. The water temps are still only 61, 62 degrees on their way down, but, um, you know, it's, it's also a low water year. Uh, a lot of places are low water in the Midwest. So in the long run, that could maybe be kind of a, a detrimental thing for spawning and bait eventually if it hangs on too long. But in the meantime, it kind of concentrates the fish. Honestly, it makes our job a little easier. So it's, it's been a phenomenal year. I'm pretty happy about it. Has it has you been getting into a lot of like eater size fish this time of year, or are you starting to see the bigger fish uh, start to get active? We, we've seen more big fish already in September than we normally do, but it's not quite the sort of, you know, hog haven that the real fall bite can, can turn out to be. It's more, you know, one good one here and there, but uh, the majority of the fish that we're seeing lately is kind of your 18 to 21 average size, which is great fish for, I mean, eaters as well as, you know, a 20 inch walleye and Lake Sock is, is a pretty good fight. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I looked uh, at the Garrison uh, extended forecast, and you've got a few uh, days here coming up uh, with highs in the 40s, uh, you know, a couple that get into the 50s, but uh, a lot of lows down close to freezing, you know, the mid-30s. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how long, how many days like that do you think it's going to take before, you know, the, the fall bite really does start to take off? What are the, what I mean, I guess, what are the water temps that you're looking for? I usually when it hits low fifties, like 52, 53, that's when things really start to get good. I don't, I don't think the water has quite turned over yet. And that's kind of a key, you know, that turnover phase can be kind of a tough transition. And once you come out of that, you know, I'm thinking the weather you're talking about, I'd say seven to 10 days that we might start be getting into that period. So it's pretty darn close, but yeah, it's normally it's a lot colder than this by now, but <laughs> the next week looks like it's going to push it right along. So now what, like what kind of areas like are you looking for when the walleyes are transitioning to that fall bite? Uh, the, the traditional stuff is usually, you know, you hear the steep and deep sort of moniker, I suppose. So I'm, I'm looking for a lot of deep shelves, uh, deep water humps and anything that's basically close to deep water you need access to deep water this time of year they might come up shallow to feed you know especially when the wind's blowing especially in the low light periods but you got to have deep water nearby as opposed to you know those big sprawling massive sand flats that you might catch fish on uh you know really well in the spring early summer so now what are what are some of the techniques that you're going to be utilizing when the water finally does uh uh, hit that f- low fifties mark. Well, the reaction bites already been amazing for, I mean, really since the end of August, it started to get really good. So the jigging wraps and the, the hyper rattles and all that kind of stuff. And that bite's going to keep going. What I always love to look forward to is the classic jig and minnow bikes. I don't think there's a, a better way to catch a walleye. In my opinion, I think it's a lot of fun to feel that bite. Um, the one hang up we have here is the fact that we get so much smelt in the system. And sometimes you know, the, the minnows aren't, or the, the walleyes aren't terribly interested in a little minnow when you got a bunch of big smelt running around. So that, that jig and rub bite tends to kind of win out a lot of times. But as the water gets colder, you can get them on minnows too. I'm hoping this season's going to have a good minnow bite. Now, will you like utilize the jigging wrap technique all the way until you can't be out there anymore? Or is that something that shuts off and then that's when you switch to the jigging minnow? Oh, that, yeah, the jigging wrap will go all the way. I mean, I last year I was fishing, making a video with my brother and, and this buddy of mine, and it was 
a high of 31 degrees and snow flurries and <laughs> 20 mile an hour winds and that's all we use was a jiggier app partly because we didn't want to stick our hands in the well, right. minnow yeah. pockets to get minnows but um yeah that you know until the water temps get into like low 40s high 30s they'll chase a jigging route pretty good so now now you guide on sakakawea sakakawea what, what's proper pronunciation what's proper pronunciation so most the locals will always call it sakakawea um it's kind of funny because it was it was supposed to be named after what whether you refer to her as sakajawea or sakagawea um and i think there was a mix-up in the translation of her name when they named it after and then eventually once they realized what it actually was they didn't want to change it <laughs> so so it um, should have a, it j in a lot it. of ways what's that so it should have a j in it sakajawea sakakawea yeah I think the actual pronunciation is Sakagawea, according to the her specific tribe dialect or whatever it's referred to as, um, which has a, a C and a G, Sakagawea. But uh, yeah, it's it's always a source of conflict, and I've gotten a few comments on that because when I first started doing videos, I wasn't sure which way to say it. <laughs> So well, the locals had to kind of correct me on that, but well, I've been made fun of a lot because apparently I say it wrong, and I don't even do I say Sakakawea? Yep, that's what you usually say. Okay, Sakakawea. Sakakawea. up in northern Minnesota or something. Sakakawea or out from Mich from like Chicago area yeah. or something. Oh, that's that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> now you know, Brett. I I know that you're uh, a person that fishes. Uh, well, at least you did a lot, you know, down in the Chamberlain area and whatnot. How how much different is the fishing that that happens down in the Chamberlain area uh, versus you up there in North Dakota? Well, I'd say the the biggest difference between here and Chamberlain, first of all, is the size of the water and the size of the fish. I think you can get a lot more eater fish out of Chamberlain. You're going to get a better average size here. If you start talking about this versus the Wahi, uh by pier the two are pretty similar. I think the biggest difference about Sakakawi is the fact that there's a couple of areas that are basically massive spillover bays outside the channel, like the Van Huck arm being one of those. And those tend to fish a lot more like a lake. So a lot of people, some people will fish the Van Huck arm exclusively. And that's a lot more, you know, looking for shorelines, windblown shorelines, sunken humps, that kind of stuff, as opposed to looking at all the bluffs and the, and the points the cut banks on the main lake so right on so now you talked about the jig and minnow being one of your favorite techniques to catch walleyes what is probably like your least favorite technique to catch walleyes like one that you're like oh man i have to do this but that's how they're how we're catching but them. it works but it works trolling crankbaits <laughs> really <laughs> really i i like to feel the bite i mean it's it's fun to watch a rod bend back and pull back out of a rod holder i get that but uh I don't know. And the time it takes to sell, like if, if you, if you're trolling crankbaits through a good pot of fish and you pull right past that pod, like now you got to pull up your lines, you can turn around and troll back. Whereas if you're, if you're casting something, you just sit right on that spot and throw right back and you just surgically pop them fish one after another, you know? So yeah. I like, I like casting if I can, uh, a bottom bouncer is a close second to anything I can cast. And, uh, for me, anyway, trolling crankbaits is sometimes rather boring. And I, you know, I guess if, if, if you're going to sit here and talk about walleye fishing, honestly, I, I suppose he's dead on there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, right. A, I'd, I'd rather cast. It is pretty fun, like, if you're pulling a bottom bouncer to start feeling it and 
but yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'd say you're right on, um, Brett, let, let's get on to, let's get on to the book. Um, you, so you, you, uh, wrote this book fishing for more, a memoir. Is that Emma, a memoir? Is that actually in the title or is that just, it, it is in the title and mostly just a lot of memoirs have that in the title just to kind of notate what it is. So when a reader sees a cover, they know that it's a memoir. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly uh, uh, great around books, but I, I read it and uh, <laughs> I actually, I, I got to tell you, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. You could even ask my wife, I, every single night when I got it, I, I read it and I'm not a fast reader. So it probably took me a little bit longer than, uh, than uh, what it would take most people, but I think I got it done in less than a week. So, uh, no, I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about it here. Um, so when did you decide to write a book? Um, so writing's kind of always been one of those side projects for me that I've enjoyed doing. Um, I used to have a blog and things like that. And I was on, a, you know, I, I had some a, a pretty good geeky streak back when I was in school. I was part of the, uh, the writing tutor program and that sort of thing. But basically when I started the guide service, I had, you know, a number of clients that would ask me, of course, what did you do before you did this? And I would tell them that I used to be an investment analyst and they would always give me this look and they would go, wow, that's a pretty big change. And then, um, one person eventually said, wow, that's a story. And that kind of stuck with me. And I thought, you know, I've been, wanting to write something and now i feel like i actually have a story to tell so that kind of started the whole thing for me and then it was kind of building in my head for a while until i i got the time to do it in the off season last year so how long did it take you to uh, to write this it as far as books go it was probably pretty fast like i started as soon as i got back from fishing the first week of november and finished you know, basically the writing process in March and then went through editing after that. Um, but it's, I don't, I, I tend to be kind of a mildly obsessive person, I suppose you could say. So like, it just kind of became one of those all consuming projects and I just kind of dove in and decided I'm, I'm going to get this done before the next fishing season. Cause I don't, I don't want it to carry over. Right. I knew I get distracted during the season. Um, so I kind of, you know, put the nose to the grindstone a little bit and had some pretty late nights uh, finishing it, but that's how it happened. Brett, one of the things that I, you know, you you talked about a lot of things uh, from when you were a young kid, and and one of the things that I noticed is like you actually quoted people, and and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there, there's no way to actually remember. Uh, you know, what somebody said when you were four years old and, and whatnot. And you kind of talked about that in the book about how, you know, you just had to had to do it to the best of your memory. How, how many mm-hmm. times were you like, man, I don't know what they said, but, you know, you, you just got to write something. And, and how many times did you crumple up a page and do it over? Oh, well, to answer the last question, I mean, that was all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, the hardest part about writing the book or at least finishing the book for me like i i got to the point where i had about 80 pages and it just i was like you know where is the rest of this thing like this is ridiculous and i um then i started reading other memoirs just to kind of get an idea what they had done and some of the things that they dove into just 
you know, it, it kind of hit me like I, I was skipping over all of the hard stuff. Basically, I was, you know, all the things that were uncomfortable to talk about, I was avoiding others subconsciously or consciously. Um, so at that point, I just told myself, you know, nobody has to see this yet. So just write it and just get it down. And, you know, at that point, I I wrote and rewrote and crumpled, you know, hundreds of pages of that stuff. But um, um, getting back to your other question. Um, yeah, it's basically one of those things where like, you know, there's, there's some times where you know that you had a conversation that, um, stuck with you for some reason and had an emotional impact in your life for one reason or another. Yep. Um, it, what I tried to do to the best of my ability was get across the feeling of that conversation, the tone of that conversation, knowing that word for word, it's probably not going to be and can't be exact and identical, but um, at least of all the people I've had, you know, from my family and friends that were in the book that read it, nobody's disputed anything. So that's a good thing. Right. Um, well, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that generally, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's probably assumed that, you know, when, when a person does write a memoir that, that everything isn't exactly perfect, correct? Yeah, it's kind of one of those best effort sorts of things. As long as it, you know, as long as it rings true and it it's, catches the spirit of what happened, I think that's the important part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, How about, yeah. like, looking back, like, like any teachers that inspired you? Like, you know, you talk about you were always into writing and stuff like that. Was there, like, a high school teacher that, you know, that you would really like to read the book or that wouldn't be surprised that you did write one? Yeah, a hundred percent, Mister McDonald. I, I don't know if you're familiar with oh, yeah. him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thought, yeah. Um, I that was not something I was into until taking his senior grammar class, and we had, uh, you know, a composition, a series of composition projects, and one of those was like, um, I can't remember what the what he called it, but something like a just a descriptive comp. Uh, composition or something where you had to describe an event in a much as much detail as possible and i wrote about actually back then the experience of fishing the missouri river reservoirs with my dad so that kind of was almost like a training ground for this book in a way you know years in advance before i ever had the idea conceived but um he he was very hardcore about it and that's kind of what i at first it was intimidating and it scared me but that i I enjoyed it because it got something out of me that I didn't know I had, I think. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, he was, he was an amazing teacher. When Jan Meester read it, I know that. Yeah. And you know, obviously she was cut out of that same hardcore cloth too. She was not an easy <laughs> teacher either. Um, and I was absolutely thrilled and honored that she read it and reviewed it. I'm so glad that she enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah. Did, did they ever pop into your mind when you were writing, like late night you're writing and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to write this. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, they would probably, you know. <laughs> all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Brett, you know, you talked about, you, you were very honest in the book. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, uh, relationships that you had. Uh, you know, you, you talked about, uh, you know, I remember one scene that really sticks with me. Um you know, when you were on the golf team, getting into the golf bus after, after a meet or something like that. And, you yeah. know, th there was a lot of things that you touched on, 
uh, you know, your, your parents getting a divorce, you know, different stuff that, that I, you know, I, I guess maybe could have been kind of painful to, to relive and to write down. Was that, I mean, was it almost kind of therapeutic to write it down or, or did you just need to have that? Do, do you get what I'm saying? I, I do. Yeah. And like, as I was writing it, I think I knew that it was something I had to do, whether or not people were going to enjoy it. Um, but then at the same time, I think when you're, when you're real and, and honest and authentic about this stuff, I think that's what people do enjoy and that's why they're drawn to it. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, a lot of that stuff was painful to relive, but it was probably good to do so as well. I think so. Yeah. You know, when I was reading it, you know, when I think about people writing books, I think about people writing books, doing that for the reader. But th- there was a lot of times where I was like, you know what, I think, I think this is as much for Brett as it is for me, you know, that he's writing <laughs> this down. If it, you know, I mean, and, and, yeah. and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a person that can really overthink things and, and whatever. And I, you know, with you living in our town and, and some of the things and the people that you talked about were, were people that I knew and, and, you know, same experiences, you know, that I kind of had, you know, growing up in this town, like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was great. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and I, like, like you said, I, I was worried at one point that it was becoming too much for me until like some people had, had, you know, told me that, you know, if, if you write it true enough and broad enough, it, it becomes relatable to other people and they, they they like to you know that that moment where they go oh somebody else feels that way too you know and i and that's where i i kind of i don't know i suppose allowed myself to kind of indulge in some of those moments that i knew like they were for me but other people are gonna get something out of that too i think Yep. And, you know, I, I guess one of the things that I also want to mention, and, you know, granted, most people that are listening to this podcast are going to be fishermen, but I definitely do not think that you need to be a fisherman in order to enjoy your book. You know, I think, you know, if, if you're a guitar player and, uh, and you know, you've always kind of wanted to, to be in a band or, or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, just, th- there's just a lot anybody of that's working a job that, you know, necessarily they don't enjoy it and they have a passion for something else and not being afraid to chase that dream and that exactly exactly and and you know i I think that one of the main points of that whole entire book is is sometimes you just kind of gotta take that leap of faith and and go and do it and and uh you know like i said i I don't think it has to be just fishing yeah and and that was my hope and that and honestly that's why the title is the way it is it's it's fishing for more so like you know, essentially that search of what, it, what is it that I want to do or am meant to do in life and how can I achieve it? You know, for me, that vehicle was fishing, but, you know, anybody reading the book hopefully can replace fishing with that thing that's them. And that was my goal. Yep. Are you, are you 100% sure that you have found uh, that thing that is more? Yeah. That this, this is it. Yeah. Yep. Without a doubt. Yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I think both me and Matt have thought, you know, well, you know, maybe a fishing guide, you know, obviously you're fishing every single day, but, 
not every single uh, uh, client can maybe not be exactly enjoyable to be with every day. Well, the one thing about it, I'm sure you can probably attest to, is that it like every day is something different. I mean, yeah, you're fishing, but every person is different that steps into your boat. So it kind of, you know, you got to be ready and willing to adapt to different things, I suppose. Yep. It, yeah. And, you know, the cool part for me is um, I love fishing by myself and I love fishing, period. But I do think at times it can get a little repetitive if you're not fishing with a purpose and i'm fortunate that every single day almost that i go out i not only get to fish but i get to watch somebody else figure it out and watch somebody else you know catch a walleye for the first time catch yeah. their personal best and just share that with other people that's that's what continues to breathe life into it for me and that's why i don't think uh i would ever get tired of this yeah how many people from your old job have you had uh, uh, read your book and, and reach out to you? Anybody? Um, yeah, I've, I've had a few for sure. Um, and honestly, like there, you know, there was there's some family members that I was a little uncomfortable about just because of some of the the depth of some of the topics, and I thought that could it was uncomfortable for me, and it might be uncomfortable for them. But I was most, I think, I was most concerned about my former coworkers because um i tried to not and hopefully didn't portray it as you know something about them but it was just something that didn't fit me yeah right. um, yeah. but i still wasn't sure how that would be received and i um i've been honestly pleasantly surprised that it was received the right way right you didn't mean to you didn't mean to throw crap on that career it's for somebody it just wasn't for you right Yep. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, anybody could insert something for fishing. Like some per some people might insert investment analysts there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, right. Now, a after you after you had this book written, Brett, how how do you seek out a publisher, or is that something that you had lined up beforehand, or how how does that work? And and what I guess I'd, I'd also like to know what kind of investment does that take in in, in money. Yeah. So there, there's actually two routes you can go. Like the traditional route is you write a book and then you pitch it to publishers through an agent and hope that they pick up and hope that they publish it. If you do that and they do, they wind up paying you. Essentially, they buy this the, the manuscript from you and then you get royalties and potentially an upfront payment. Um, I decided that rightly or wrongly, uh, I didn't want to wait for that process. And I also felt that self-publishing it, which is essentially doing all these things by yourself, finding your own editors, finding your own cover designers. Um, you know, the way that I did my business by myself and the way that I wrote the book about being authentic, I thought it made the most sense to, to self-publish it that way. So I'm independently published. Um, I had to spend quite a bit of money <laughs> yep. for editors and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if it's relevant to somebody if they want to know the dollar amounts and the breakdown. No, no, we don't I'd have to. We, do we, right. we don't have to. We <laughs> yeah. don't have. I mean, yeah, I, I guess what I like you said, it, it's it's expensive. It's it's not something that's like no. You yeah, know, I just I called them up and they said, all right, we'll print her. Yeah, I and basically I just decided, you know, I had done, I had published another book on Amazon uh, before that, basically just some of my blog 
stuff. It, a collection of essays is the best way to put it, kind of as a proof of concept. And and once I got that far, I thought, okay, to write this story, I want to do it the right way, and I want to invest in it properly and hire the right people and make sure that it's professional and it's a you know a, a product that people would want to read. So, right now, now are you having to then find all the bookstores for it to be in by yourself also? I am. Yeah. That's part of what I've started doing and a huge part of my winter project coming up. So okay, I've, I've been fortunate enough to get in a few here locally in, in, uh, in North Dakota. And I got one that's coming up in, in the Des Moines area and I'm open to anybody else that wants it in any other store. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah. I mean, are you, are you hoping to just this winter, you're going to kind of travel the Midwest and, uh, I mean, how, how, how does that process go? I mean, do you just find small bookstores and you show up with 10 copies and say hey i I think your uh i think your customers would potentially like this or that that's basically how i've been doing it although um the base part of this model is the fact that it's independently published it's i I did it through a print-on-demand service so that um it's you know it's published through amazon it's through barnes and noble it's through uh apple ibooks and all that kind of stuff um digitally or in print so anybody that wants to find it can order it online and get it printed and shipped um but i think having a presence in bookstores is need if nothing else and also just kind of helps you know get it out there in the public eye so can you sell the libraries uh there was yeah so so theoretically libraries are able to order it through this process too and there was a a a library I, i saw somebody um, had commented on something I posted on social media and one of the librarians from Urbandale was going to put it in one of their libraries. So I, I was kind of thrilled about that. It wasn't part of um, my publishing plan. It was just kind of, okay, if it happens, great. But um, it happened for at least one, so that's cool. And if any other libraries want it, I'd, I'd be thrilled to have it there. So, Do you do any sports shows during the winter time? I, yeah, I do. I last year I didn't because of the COVID right. situation, and the year before I I did two or three of them, and then COVID kind of interrupted the rest of them. But um, assuming you know the COVID thing plays out well, yeah, I I always do one in Des Moines because I'm from there. I usually do the one in Council Bluffs. Um, I had anticipations of doing the one in Sioux Falls until that got canceled two years ago. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's another opportunity, obviously, to to bring some bucks along and sell them at those sports shows. So yeah, what what do you think about like twenty years from now, thirty years from now, after you've been a guide for you know however long? Do you ever think that you would write another book? Uh, you know, kind of touching on all the wild stories that you've had through through the years. Yeah, probably. I think that's kind of been the obvious project I've thought about next is. I, you know, after telling my story, I could tell the story of my clients and, uh, I've thought about doing that already this year, but then part of me wonders if it's too soon and maybe I need more stories to tell. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one of the thoughts in my mind for sure. So, so then you would just kind of like, you know, just all the memorable clients that you've had, just kind of write a few pages about each person. Yeah, I think so. I, I can't think of a better way to do that. I think that'd be, I think that'd be spectacular. I I think it really would. Huh. 
And I definitely have enough colorful clients that have stories to be told. So De definitely. I was going to um, say, you ever get off the water and be like, oh, I'm writing this one down because this, that's a page in the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we talked about last year, you had asked me about client stories and I had the guy who fell about, in. about the guy right. who fell in the water. Right. He wanted and, in this book. So. And that was his, <laughs> that was his second time, right? Yeah. That yeah, year. Like second time. <laughs> Yeah. The wife didn't even, like, it was just no big deal. She didn't even blink. <laughs> God, that's spectacular. Just hold that for him. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Brett, uh, you know, I guess uh, we, we touched on, uh, you know, how the walleye fishing is up there uh, by you. Uh, we talked about your book. Um, unless you've got something else that you want to add in there, uh, we'll call that. And uh, I guess before we let you go, all I'd really ask is that you quick uh, run down where the listeners could potentially get your book uh, if they wanted to. We'll put it. We'll obviously put this on Facebook, and I I personally bought mine on Amazon, but uh, I'll I'll share that link. Yeah, no, I, um, I I obviously have it on my website, and my website is basically a link, you know, to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and the other the other retailers. But um, the one thing that's nice about the website is I. I put a lot of backstory about the book uh, and some other information, some videos that I actually got the first four chapters of the book out in e-reader on the, the website for free. So if somebody wants to test drive the book, so to speak, you can go to bloomendalfishing.com and read those chapters. And if you want to keep going, then you can click the link and go to Amazon and, or you can go directly to Amazon and just type in fishing for more and it should pop up with my name on it. So nice. Awesome. How, how can we, how can we give away a book? I'll buy it. But how, how can we give away a book? How are we going to do this? Uh, yeah, I, I could definitely, however you want to do that, whether you buy it or if you, I, I could certainly donate one too. Because I, 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 it's print on demand, but I, I do have, you know, copies that I've ordered for myself, proof copies and stuff just to, you know, to use for some special occasions. So if you want to do something like that, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. No, we, you already talked about how much it costs. To, right. we'll, we'll, we'll buy this book. <laughs> we'll buy it. We'll, right. we'll buy it. Uh, the only thing I worry about is a lot of our listeners, I don't know how well they can read. Two pick so. six can't read. <laughs> yeah. say, so hopefully there's He's going to have to have his wife read it to yeah, him. That's what we're going to have to do but, it. So. You know, so the interesting thing is I, I've been surprised by the number of people that have messaged me and said, hey, you know what? I don't read books. I hate reading. But something about your book inspired me was interesting to me i picked it up and i loved it so I, and maybe part of that is because it's you know fishing adjacent and i, I for whatever reason this i don't think a lot of outdoors people are necessarily you know literary readers and authors but um so i guess i would just throw that out there that there's been plenty of people that have told me that they don't read books but they like this one so no, and and That's I'm one of those. That's the sales I, pitch I can give you. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't I haven't read any book besides yours probably for I don't know three years. So I mean, yeah, I've, I'm definitely one of those people. But all right, man. All right, well, we will we'll figure we'll out figure how to out. how to give this away. We'll get either back yeah. a hold of you. Um, maybe we'll have a Facebook. That's that's what we're gonna do. Uh, sometime this week, we're gonna put a deal up on Facebook. Um, I don't know. We're we're let me and Matt talk talk about it, but uh, uh, this coming week, maybe on Wednesday, when you're dealing with cold weather, uh, we'll put a we'll put a uh, something up on the Facebook page and uh, and have a have a book giveaway. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Well, man, we uh, we thank you for joining the show, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, you bet. I'm always down for it. Awesome. See you, man.
And that was Brett Blumendahl of Blumendahl Guide Service up from Garrison, North Dakota. Uh, yeah, I, I, I seriously encourage all of you guys to go out uh, and, and buy that book. If you don't feel like buying it, like I said, we're going to have a giveaway on the Facebook page, uh, maybe like Wednesday this week. I don't exactly know how we're going to do it. Uh, we'll make some sort we'll of Facebook post and we'll out. give you some directions. It won't be one of these deals that you got to jump up and down four times on your left foot, then turn around, jump up and down two times on your right foot, touch your nose, spin around and share it. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be something, you know, fa- fairly easy. Like the, you know, like it and I don't know, tell us where you live, something. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, no, I, I seriously encourage you guys to look into that book, even if you're not a reader. I, I truly think that you will enjoy it. So, all right, moving right along. Um, do 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 do. Hey, hey, what? I think it's somebody's birthday, isn't it? Is it your birthday? It's not my birthday. Is it your dad's birthday? It's not my dad's birthday, but I think it might be your birthday. October 10. It is my birthday. It is your birthday. 33 Is that what years I was young. trying to figure out how old you were today and I was Well, that works out it. that you were trying 30. to figure out how old I was because I actually knew that at some point in time during this interview, I'm actually kind of surprised it took this long for you to bring it up, but uh I knew that at some point you would bring it up. So I actually planned a little game. Uh-oh. For you to uh to guess ages. For me to guess ages on your birthday. All yep. right. So let me see here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six anglers. Um, I'm going to give you uh, how many years do you think you need to. It's kind of like name that tune. In, to, to come up with six anglers, how many years do you think you need? I'm going to give you 24 years. 24 years. 24 years. So I have to be be within twenty four years on six guys. Okay, so four years is kind of the average. Like I got to be within four years of what their age is. Actually. Yep, and the winner has to buy the loser has to buy the winner uh, one roll of cheddar summer sausage at the Ellsworth Locker and a bag of beef sticks of their choice. All right. That's a good bet right there. That is. That's. that's Are you that's okay like with 24, 24 years, or do you I'm feel good. like no, you I, need more? No, I'm good with that. I'm trying I'm to good. come up with what. Uh, do you need gonna, 30? I was going to say a four-year average, so within that's four That's what you're going to say? Yeah. So okay. hopefully I can get it here. Okay. All right. Let's start off with the first angler, Seth Fighter. Seth Fighter. And his birthday is actually on October 16th. So we are going with his current age his as current of age. October 10. Ooh, um, let's go with um, 34. 37. Okay, within three. Three. Don't you be looking at my notebook. I I'm saw you looking. trying to stare out of the corner of your eye like it. You think Penn State was cheaters. That's cheating. <laughs> All right. Corey Sprangle. Corey Sprangle. Um... 28. 34. He's 34. Wow. Man, that was a tough one there for me. Al Lindner. Al Lindner. Um, 67. 77. Oh, I'm done. 
No, not yet. Unscrewed. Not yet. Craggy XL Oiler. Craggy Oiler, 43. 44. 44. That's how you get back into this game. I'm kind of disappointed I didn't guess older for him. He's probably he's probably happy. He's like, hey, 63? <laughs> 72. <laughs> he looks 63. He acts 13. <laughs> so then it averages out to right. be 44. Yeah. Yep. Babe Winkleman. <sighs> Babe. Um, 75. 72. 72. Dang. And last, but uh, certainly not at? least. What am I at right you now? You are at right now, you're at 19, 23. <laughs> so 23. I this one. <laughs> That's 9, 19, 20, 23. 23. All right. Oh, man. And his birthday is next month, but we are talking about the current. I actually texted his daughter today to find out how old he was. Mr. Ice Fishing, Dave Gens. Oh, man. I'm going to say Dave is going to be, oh, man. 76. 73. 73. I knew it was down there. I was going to say something like that. Dang it. 26. You got 26. That was, that was solid. You should have taken you, should, you up on the 30 yeah, offer. Because I had even thought about, you know what, we'll meet in the middle at 28, 27, something like that. But all right. I'll let I'll, I'll let the you have Allender some of them. one got me. Yeah, I'll let you have some of them beef sticks. You that was really pretty solid. Aside from Corey Sprengel and and Al Lindner, I mean, you were you had three, 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 one, ten, and six. Yeah. Dang. All right. Well, makes it only makes sense. I mean, you're the one that's going to be, uh, you know, up in Ellsworth more often, and and oh, I'm yeah. the one that eats more than you. <laughs> and so I mean. Really? I got time now that football is over for me. I got I can run up there and get you that stuff after school someday. So I get off at, at well, I can get off at three fifteen or four fifteen. I might just head on you can up there with right along with me. No. Oh, I'm freaking drop a paycheck in that place. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. <clears throat> have you have you ever had their ring baloney? Oh yeah. Have I talked about their ring baloney on this show before? Yeah. We've talked we've talked about their oh, man. all their products. Yep. Oh man. I don't know how, you know, I, I also, uh, from time to time, listen to the Dan Patrick show. And I mean, that's a sports podcast that ends up talking about meat more often. I don't know how we end up talking about meat more often. I think, I think it's probably because you must have meat on the brain. Well, probably you do <laughs> better than no, I'm not even, I can, I, I better not take shots at you on your birthday. No, I am. I already posted the pictures today. So yep, I got, a, I had a lot of pictures posted today. That was, yep. that was pretty good stuff. Some of me back in the day with my long hair and <laughs> yeah. I, that was a little. Oh yeah, I appreciated those pictures because yeah. some yeah. of those might have got saved. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. Matt, Matt, uh, I guess uh, honestly, you know, it, it's it's that time of the year. We've got some cold weather coming, and yeah. uh, um, you know, there there's literally been times that this week, that this current week, Euler has uh, 
has ice fished this week before out in the Black Hills. That's nuts to think that. I actually think that there's possible snow forecasted for the Black Hills uh, here sometime this. Let me see here. Well, as we're talking right now, it's 41 degrees out there. It's probably snowing right now. Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday, the high is 29 out there. Up by Deerfield. Yep. Him and Tuesday, him and high of 35. The twitch. Holy moly. It's it was it got to be 53 today. Monday it's going to be 53. Tuesday 35, Wednesday 29, Thursday 33. We are talking lows in the 20s. Pert near the teens on a couple of the nights. Whew. They might be they might be doing it before November. They might. They might. That's they might not crazy. They're trick treating. That is they can not dro- crazy. Go as, they can go dressed as fishermen. Yep. No, Facebook's starting to get uh, have having a lot of people post. Uh, you know, obviously the Ice Institute, but uh, there's some bait shops over in the Okaboji area that are starting to gear up for for their shows. I think it's like, golly, I think that there's like in four weeks there's like four shows over Something at Okaboji, like and so that's good. Uh, you know, one of the things that I truly have to stress to everyone is when you if, if if you've got something on your mind that you want to buy this year, Do it. if you see it, buy it. Buy it. I'm, honestly, like I'm not telling a person to go scalping, but I mean the stuff is going to be in high demand. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll flat out tell you, even me being on the clam team, there was stuff when we logged on when when uh, um, buying was open to just the team that we already couldn't get because the vendors or the the um, the distributors, the dealers, the you know the stores had had taken everything that they had we couldn't even get it so i'll be honest i'm i'm looking to get a new shack this year and i think i'll probably end up buying it uh, either at the ice institute or or you know one of the okaboji shows or something like it's crazy yeah it really is it is you got to do it now yep so like i said uh, if, if you're if you're thinking about doing it do it have you seen any? Have you seen any of the new stuff coming out this year that you're really interested in? It kind of like it really? seemed like about four, three, four weeks ago. Like all of a sudden, it was like, oh man, yeah. a lot of ice fishing stuff. And I feel, I feel like it kind of fell off now. Like, yeah, I haven't really looked real close at any of it yet. I'll have to start doing that. Okay. See what I can't live without. How about you? Have you? Is there anything that you're just like, man, I got to have that? No, honestly, I just dream every single night about actually pulling the trigger on a live scope. Right. And I really want a new uh, Ice Team Yukon uh, uh, clam shack, but uh, I don't know. Not asking Hopefully. much. Yeah, exactly. I'm not asking much, guys. Um, I think, well, I guess one thing that we'll quick talk about, I, I wanted to talk about this earlier in the show and I had forgotten about it. Uh, we're starting to get some emails uh, we got some emails after last week on the Ask the Biologist uh, segment that we're going to have here in a few weeks. Um, a lot of really, really good questions and, you know, guys that are sending in multiple questions. You know, I, I had one guy that probably sent in five questions in one email, and hopefully I get to get to every single one of those questions. And guys, there there's not any stupid questions like, uh-huh. you know, I mean... There, there's some stuff, you know, talking about it. zebra mussels. Yep. There's some stuff talking about freshwater shrimp. There's some stuff talking about, uh, you know, why they stock some areas and they don't stock other areas and, and some different stuff. And uh, Questions you know, from just your average Joe to 
Learned doctors. Right. Learned doctors. Yeah. So I, you know what? I think, should I actually read that email? I don't know. Taking shots at us. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So on October 7, what day was that? Thursday. Right? Thursday. So Thursday, I'm sitting at work and all of a sudden I uh, glance down at my phone and it says, hello, Scott, this is Dr. Joe Bowers, first time listener, first time emailer. I have a list of corrections from this episode. To begin with, you keep saying me and Matt, but I believe the proper English would be Matt and I. I'm sure given the elevated education level of your listeners, they will appreciate this correction. And at this point in time, I'm kind of like, all right, like, you know, this guy's, you know, he's kind of, you know, throwing, throwing some jabs. Like, you know, (laughs) there's one thing me and Matt are good at, and that's throwing jabs back. Like, we can take this. Okay, fair enough. And then he goes on to say, to begin with, you, oh, nope. He goes on to say, uh, Matt, this correction goes out to you. I believe the Hall & Oates lyric is, I can't go for that. No, no can do. Given this difference, using this lyric to make your statement actually states the opposite of what you were trying to say. Well, doctor, how do you know what he was trying to say? Great. I'm sure these... I can't go for that. <laughs> I'm sure these oversights are not indi- indicative, indicative of either your prowess as a commentator nor the verbosity of your rhetoric. And at that point in time, the the words got big, and I was like, all right, Dr. Joe, go on. Things to consider. Competitive bass fishing tournaments, nobody cares. What we should turn walleye fishing into a competitive sport, anti-ethical to the point of walleye fishing. And I'm like, what the frick is going on here? As far as your pronunciation of ajou, if you are referring to the French light gravy or sauce produced by the secretion of cooked meat, then the proper pronunciation is a silent S. So not phonetically juice, but more like ju. Pronouncing it as you have indicates both a lossage of denture and or questionable genetic lineage. I said ajou's. Because that's what they say on Dumb and Dumber. Right. You remember when he's oh, going yeah. down the yep. in the van, roast beef, ah, juice. Oh, yeah, right. Very funny in your <laughs> dreams. I thought, you know what? That's that, that's funny. And Doctor Joe did not think so. So he he concludes by saying, "It's Matt and I, goddamn it." Which I'm like, <laughs> easy, pal. All right. So I take a screenshot of it and I send it to Matt and, uh, you know, I go out and I run out at work and I show it to Jeremy and I'm like, who does this guy think he is? Like, I mean, is he, is he thinking that this is kind of funny? Is he kind of wanting to start a friendly deal? Like I would kind of like it if Dr. Joe would listen to every single episode and then tell us where we screwed up, you know, and then we could kind of make fun of him on the next show. He can make fun of us. Like, you know, I mean, one hand washes the other, this could be fun. But I, so I, I literally write an email back, like I'm locked and loaded and, you know, kind of trying to be nice, but kind of, you know, Hey, you know, I, you know, I, I respect you, but you're an asshole kind of type of deal. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, I let him know that I did understand that he was a doctor. I could tell that he was very proud of being a doctor and he told me multiple Multiple times. times. Um, you know, I, I went on to say a couple other things and, uh, you know, just said, hey, I'm having trouble uh, deciding if you're being serious or not. And I, I never sent the email. But uh, Jeremy and Matt said right away, like, that that just reeks of Mockintune. Like, that's Mockintune. Yep. So I text Mockintune. I said, hey, 
I, I, I look at this name and, and Joe Bowers is a guy that we went on the boundary waters trip up there, but it's spelled different. So I'm like, ah, I can't be him. And I'm, I think both me and Matt Google searched Dr. Joe Bowers and couldn't really find a whole lot. And it's like, you know, if this guy's a doctor, like he's a secret doctor, like what the hell's going on? Well, finally I decide that I'm going to give big Scott a call and, uh, you know, so finally he answers and, and he's, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, well, I got this email and boom, they start laughing and him and Joe are together. They had been on a Wyoming, uh, pronghorn hunt together on the way back. They decided to listen to a show and decided that they were going to poke the bear and poke the bear. They did. They did. And, uh, so I'm just saying, uh, this isn't over. Uh, yeah. so you know. come up with some good questions that we can ask this biologist. Yep. Yep. So, uh, no, it should be fun. Um, like I said, we're, we're starting to get, uh, quite a few in, uh, honest, honestly with what we have right now, we could do a show, but, uh, I'd appreciate it if, uh, just a few more people sent a few in and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, that's all I've got to say about that. Matt, do you have any good news stories? Uh, I'll just give a shout out to Jerry Pape. He won the yeah, Iowa Great right. Lakes, that's right. um, Bass Club's Angler of the Year trophy again. He's done it many times before, so beat you by a decimal point one yeah, time. Yeah, he's he's a stick over there. So a big shout out to him and congratulations. Absolutely, yours. Um, my good news story. Uh, you know, today obviously we mentioned it that it is my birthday, and I got uh, a pretty solid amount of happy birthday dirt bag. Awesome. Uh, uh, birthday wishes on Facebook and. Uh, you know, obviously, those are people that I know listen to the podcast. Uh, they're people, you know, that... that I just think you're a dirtbag. Well, I mean, that too, but I mean, <laughs> you know, you know that, that the, there, was some, there was some reasoning why we picked dirtbag, because it's like, even when somebody calls us a dirtbag just because they think we're an idiot, it's like, oh, they're podcast <laughs> right. listeners. Like, yeah. no, they don't listen to podcasts. They just think I'm an idiot, but uh, nope, uh do, 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 do. I think that'll, I think that'll wrap it up. I appreciate everyone who, uh, who did say happy birthday. Um, I appreciate everyone who, uh, sent, uh, sent some pictures and whatnot. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, that will conclude episode 141. We'll see you next week on 142. Later.